Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome into episode 23 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. He is Cameron Lewis. I am Tyler Uramchuk, back from my trip to the woods. Um, shout out to BK for covering me on the last podcast there. Um, it turns out it was a combination of things. One, I was so mad that the Jays got swept by the Yankees that I didn't want to do a podcast. And uh, on top of that, I was just embarrassed because I had brought up the idea of the Jays sweeping the Yankees on episode 21. And I was just too embarrassed about the fact that the sweep was flipped on them and they were the ones swept. Um, but anyways, Coomzy, uh, nice to be back with you here. It's true. You were, uh, you were devastated. I remember you were messaging me saying that you were in tears. You needed to go find yourself in the forest and the woods. You needed to go for a long soul searching walk because you were more certain about the blue Jays sweeping the Yankees than I've seen you be certain about anything in your life before. And you got let down pretty hard. They were terrible and that was rough. And I don't blame you for spending three, four or five, whatever it was days in the woods by yourself. Nothing you said is exaggerated at all in any way. 100% facts coming. These are things that happened. Uh, But they bounced back pretty nicely. I mean, when they lost that first game to Baltimore, I had major, well, the season's fucking over vibes. Like I was just, it felt like that though, right? Like it was like, okay, nothing is ever going to go right for this ball club ever again. They just lost 7-1 to the Baltimore Orioles. Um, But they bounced back pretty well in the final two games. Like I'm feeling okay about this team again. It was, it was pretty narrow for being honest, like as fun as that comeback in the weekend ultimately was looking back in hindsight, they were right there from losing the first two of that series and going into Sunday's game with the potential of being swept by the Orioles, but they didn't. And that's what matters. I mean, that six run inning in the ninth there on Saturday, that was the best inning of the season so far. Definitely. That was so, so badly needed. I mean, it is kind of sad that you have to put up a six spot in the ninth inning of a game against the Baltimore Orioles to like salvage your season. It felt like, but whatever, that's where we're, that's where we're at. They needed it. It happened. It's good. Fuck it. And that's where we're going to start with three up, three down presented by twig and berries. Hit them up twigandberries.ca. That promo code is nation 15 gets you 15% off. And if your order is more than $75, it's free shipping in Canada. Our first up from that series against Baltimore is that comeback. Like you said, Cam, it felt like their season, I mean, poof, uh, it felt like it had slipped away at that point. And in one inning, they found a way to sort of put themselves back on some sort of a track. Like you said, six runs in the ninth to beat the Orioles is not ideal. But when you see that happen, it's certainly exciting. And the biggest highlight from that was the Bo Bichette at bat. I mean, it felt like he fouled off 20 pitches there. The count sat at one and two 
for like whatever it was like nine pitches or something insane like that. And then when he finally gets a swing off or makes decent contact, it's just a little dribbler out to right field, a little blooper, mm-hmm. I should say. And that alone propelled them to a victory. Um, yeah. You said it most exciting inning of their season. And it came at a time when we needed something exciting to happen. No, oh, they needed that so bad. It's like, they seemed so low energy and so dejected during that Yankees series, especially in that, um, that weird ninth inning where they left two guys on second and third and everybody on Twitter was like, Oh, Charlie should have freaked out and, you know, gotten mm-hmm. kicked because of that shitty call. And everyone just seemed really melancholy. But then that rally, it's like, we haven't had a really good rally in a while. And it was nice to finally have one. And that bow at bat was just, that was fantastic. I mean, yeah. we've been That's talking so much player stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, um, yeah, it's like Josh Donaldson, Jose Bautista style at bat from 2015. Um, I mean, we always talk about how great, Vlad's been this year and even other guys too. Like everyone is excited about Marcus Semi and this and that, but Bo actually is a guy who hasn't gotten that much attention this year. And he's actually been quietly quite good. I mean, he's kind of hidden in Vlad's shadow, obviously it's hard not to be, but geez, that, that at bat showed like all, all like an all-star player. That was, it was fantastic. He he's had more of an up and down season for sure than yeah. Vlad on the year. He's batting 279. He's got an 804 OPS with 14 home runs in his last 15 games, though. He's got a 338 batting average and he's crushed out three home runs in those 15 games as well. 13 RBIs, 22 hits and 65 plate appearances like he's on a decent little run here. It was nice to see him get that big hit for them. The comeback was the shining moment of that series. In the last two games as a whole, though, the bats really woke up. They put up a combined 17 runs, and that was just nice to see as well, especially coming off, you know, that series against the Yankees where, like, offense wasn't an issue, but again, when you drop the one game, like, 3-2, you sit there going, like, oh, man, would have been nice to get a few more runs. When they lost 2-1 to the Red Sox, you're like, oh, damn, if they would have just gotten a few more runs, they would have won that game as well. So it was nice to see the offense kind of get back to where we want it to be. That's true. I mean... (laughs) Especially the funny thing about Sunday's game was of all players, Reese McGuire coming up and being the guy He's four hits and five at bats, three doubles. Like I feel like he had as many hits in that game than he had in his career combined. Like that's, that's honestly what it feels like. Like I, I feel like blue Jays catchers this season had before that game combined for four hits. And then Reese got four hits in that game. And it's like, you love to see Reese just crank the ball everywhere. Just cranking it. You love to see it. And you love your puns and, and, and I saying do. that, but uh, that's I actually love, our I love third it. I love up. The is, it, I, our third up, and that could be another wink and nod at uh, at one <laughs> Reese McGuire, um, is just he and Santiago Espinal just providing sort of the offense they did lower in the order. Reese in the final game of the series, and in the two games before that, like Espinal found a way to get hits. He went two for two with two walks in the second game, and even in the first game that they lost, he ended up going one for three as well, and at a point when you need guys to give you a spark and also those guys lower in the order, turning over the lineup to the big guns once again is super important, but it was nice to see some names lower in the lineup and lesser known guys come through and provide some value with the sticks. Yeah. The team so badly needs that because the the top of the order has pretty much worked well all year. I mean, Vladdy has been good all year. You know, Marcus Semyon has been good most of the year. Teoscar Hernandez after he got back from COVID has been great. Randall Grichuk has been a bit up and down, but He's still been largely fairly good. And then as you said a minute ago, you know, Bo has been a little bit up and down, but still good. Like that's a, that's a good top five, but the, you know, six, seven, eight, nine has been devoid of any kind of consistent offense. So getting Santiago Espinal and Reese McGuire hitting stuff is 
that's huge. And that's what turns your offense into being from very good into elite or the best in major league baseball. That's pretty much what they need is the seven, eight and nine to come through. Uh, just quickly back to the comeback. The story I wanted to share was that uh, I, I went golfing earlier in the day, came home to watch the game, saw the first bit of it. And then I fell asleep, just passed <laughs> out on the couch watching the game. And I, what woke me up was Dan Shulman going and they're not dead yet. The blue Jays have loaded the bases in the ninth inning. And I like woke up and was like, Oh shit, this is exciting. It was a perfectly timed nap. And I wanted to brag about that a little bit. Uh, you wanted to brag that you fell asleep during the game. And then woke up at a very exciting moment. Like the timing was like, at least you kept the sound on in the game. That's a, that's a, that's a veteran's move. There's nothing. um, A rookie mistake is uh, having your nap with the sound off. And then there's no way you're going to wake yourself up when things are going to happen. So that's exactly that's a well, that's a well-played game there. Say my first rodeo. Uh, Let's go to our downs and the first one here. It's almost like you get fucked up during the day a lot. Would that be accurate? I was golfing earlier. That was kind of the ah, reason well. why I needed the nap. Had a few Bevraginos. Was a little bit tired from the round. Bevra By the time Gino's. the game gets to like the third, fourth inning, you're kind of like, oh boy, eyes are getting heavy. You blink. Next thing you know, they're down by four or whatever, but the bases are fucking loaded in the ninth. Um, okay, the downs. The first one is Alec Manoa getting thrown out because this was just, just stupid. Awful. And was, I don't... If Okay, so he hits whoever it was, um, Franco. If Franco just goes to first base, Manoa doesn't get thrown out. Mm -hmm. Franco has some words. Manoa's a big guy. We know he's fiery. We know he's confrontational. So he starts walking towards the batter. That's when the bench is clear. Bullpen's clear as well, which I always find just fucking hilarious when the bullpens run out of there. Um, But it felt like he only got thrown out because the bench is cleared. Like it wasn't even his, well, it was kind of his fault because he hit him, but like that clearly wasn't really intentional and it did not warrant getting thrown out of the game. Like where'd the whole warning thing go? It's dumb, dumb, pissed me off. You know what it reminded me of was, um, you probably remember it was uh, back in 2015 when the Jays were playing Kansas City, right? As they were really heating up back in, uh, in August, like uh, shortly after they got too low in David Price and things were starting to go well. Aaron Sanchez was pitching. And he told the home plate umpire, look, I have command issues when I throw, I can't remember what pitch it was. I think it was a changeup. Then sometimes I lose my grip and he came in and he hit LCD Escobar. I think it was. And then there was a big thing and he immediately got booted out of the game. Yeah. And it was like, that doesn't even make sense. Like you have a young pitcher with some command problems. And if Alec Manoa, I mean, given the way he was pitching, he's obviously not going to be putting guys on base on purpose. Like, let's be real here. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like he wants to get guys out and have a good start. That's where we're at in the season. Like the team's struggling. It doesn't make any sense. Like there's no rivalry here. These teams haven't played each other yet this year. And it just, it just felt random and arbitrary. It was like, they were trying to make an example out of him because he's a rookie. And it's like some, some fuck off. I'm just like trying to be like, Oh, here's how you play the right way. You can't be making noise on the mound. Just this that- young kid. I'll show him. Yeah just like, like lame ass old school stuff. And it's just, that's annoying. It's like, it's, it's more entertaining and more interesting to watch guys get fired up on the mound than it is for him to force himself to be subdued in order to fit into that old school mentality. There's no need for that shit. And I hope that Alec Manoa does not learn a lesson from this and continues to do whatever it is the fuck he does, because it's great. I think it's, I think it's, you know, he's the big man. He does big man stuff. What do you want him to do? Act like a bitch? Like, come on. hundred percent. I, I love the way you said that too. I don't want to see him change. I don't want him to have to be like, okay, I can't like be celebrating or reacting because hitters are going to get pissy. And if one slips out of my hand, I'm going to get thrown out of the fucking game every time. So bang on Coombsy. Uh, our second down is that the bullpen was not great. Ten earned runs. 
by the pen in those three games. Uh, to be fair, like Anthony Kay had to come into a bit of a tough spot after Manoa was thrown out and he gave three and a third and allowed two earned like that. That one I didn't have a huge problem with, but there were some other bullpen performances that were not great. Uh, Murphy gave up three earned in one and a third. Uh, Beasley gave up two earned as well. Those are both in uh, in the series opener. And then in the third game as well, Trent, Trent Thornton kind of got lit up a little bit with three earned in one inning. So a lot of not great things happening in that bullpen once again. Yeah, the bullpen's still bad. It was nice to see Tyler Chatwood not crap his pants in the Sunday game. That was That was huge. That was... There was, I remember he walked the first guy and it was all over the place and it was like, oh God, here we go again. But I mean, if you're looking at the bullpen stuff from the weekend, Jeremy Beasley gets lit up. Who cares? He's kind of a nothing pitcher at this point. It was unfortunate seeing Patrick Murphy get hit because I think a lot of us expected him maybe to be a bit more of a solution for the bullpen, but whatever, he hasn't pitched that much this year. It is what it is. Like he's coming back from an injury. Trent Thornton, another guy that I think a lot of people hope can maybe become like a seventh, eighth inning guy. And that's really hit and miss. Like he had that good outing on Friday, picked up five outs, only allowed one hit, struck out three guys. And then on Sunday, he allows two home runs. And it's like, Ooh, that's not good. Like you put him in that role to protect the lead and then he doesn't. It's like, "Ah, I don't know if he can actually pitch in this situation or if he's more of a long guy, but unsurprisingly, the bullpen's still bad. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, it, looks like they, it looks like they're trying to do some things to fix that. Uh, and we'll get to those in worth mentioning coming up. Uh, but let's wrap up three up, three down with the third down. And I don't, we put this in the down department um, because I, 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 maybe it's positive news for some people, but Vladimir Guerrero Jr. opting to not do the home run derby this year. And I see the side of it that, and it, he explained this, like, you know, taking the time to rest up and get ready for the second half of the season not wasting my time, energy, and thoughts on the home run derby. You know, he's kind of been there, done that, even though he's never mm-hmm. won it. He was the story that year. He was the guy. He, he was the guy. Um, I'm a little disappointed because just purely from a fan perspective, watching him and Otani go at it in Coors Field in the home run derby would have given us a fun, entertaining night. Baseball-wise, I get it. Entertainment-wise, I'm a little bummed out. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't blame you or anybody else for being disappointed, and I also don't blame blame Vladdy for pulling himself out of it. Like I see both sides here. I, I, I'm totally with you. I would have loved to see him hit a course. That would have been sweet. That would have been so fun. But like you said, like he's already gone and done the home run derby thing. He was the the big guy in 2019, and he brought so much publicity and so much excitement to the thing. It's not like he has to do this every single year. It's like, okay, this guy's having a phenomenal season. I don't think he's missed a game yet this year. I think he's been in every single game so far. So mm-hmm. giving him a chance to chill out for a couple of days is I, I think he's earned that. And, you know, if he skips the home run derby every year, then that'd be kind of lame, but whatever it is, what it is, he's, he's burnt out. Let him, let him have a, let him have a nice long nap. Yeah, it, it, it is fair enough. Uh, still, though, like him, Viotani would have been fun, oh, be but so I good. get it. And if it leads to Vladdy going absolutely bananas in the second half of the season and cementing himself as the AL MVP, then I'm all for it. Again, though, I don't know if I really even buy like the home run derby curse or that it like truly messes with guys' swings. I, I think sometimes it's just hot players who earn them earn their ways into the home run derby at the yeah. start of the year are just naturally due to regress at some point. I think a guy as naturally talented as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. could go do the home run derby and not have his swing impacted or anything like that. Like, yeah, I, I've never really loved that argument. 
I don't, I don't, I don't really understand that at all. Like, I don't know how that would change the timing of your sprint. Like you're just taking batting practice, right? Like, yeah. is, is, that, is it that different? I don't know. Like I'm, I'm not a major league baseball player, so I don't know. Yeah. But it's like, you're just, you're just, it, is this really dissimilar to what they do when they're warming up before a game, just launching balls? I don't know. I don't think so. So I don't, I don't know. whatever. That, uh, that was three up, three down presented by Twig and Berries here on Blue Jays Nation Radio. He's Cam Lewis. I'm Tyler Uremchuk. Uh, getting into some other big headlines around the Blue Jays. Sounds like George Springer could be coming back to the lineup at some point here. I saw one tweet, and I'm forgetting which insider it was that put it out, but they hinted at the idea of him potentially being activated for this series against Miami. Um, I don't know if you saw that as well. Um, I'm now desperately scrolling through Twitter because, of course, I never save anything that I want to use on the show. Um, yeah, sorry, it was Shai Davidi. He said, Blue Jays option Jeremy Beasley to AAA Buffalo with a corresponding move to come Tuesday, presumably for some outfielder who went one for three in seven innings of work with the Bisons this afternoon. I'm assuming that was about George Springer. Um, what do you think about the idea of Springer coming back already? Would you like to see him be a little bit more patient or if he's good to go, let's start DHing him? Yeah, I mean, uh, he's played five games in AAA and hasn't been very good. He has three hits in 17 at-bats. Uh, I think no walks. It's been eh, not exactly what you'd like to see, but I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm a little anxious about this because they played it so poorly the first time around. Mm-hmm. It's almost like I'm skeptical about George Springer and how they're handling George Springer. I will be skeptical about that until he's on the team and healthy for like two weeks. Like if they activate him tomorrow and he plays, I'm going to feel nervous about it for the whole week. I'm going to be like, Oh man, is this guy going to hurt himself? Is something wrong? But it's one of those appeal to authority and just defer. I, they know what they're doing, I guess, though sometimes it doesn't seem like they do, but they do. So if George Springer and the team believe he's ready, then probably is. And that'll be a nice addition to the lineup because I mean, bats are rolling pretty good, but this will be pretty much the first time we've seen the ideal lineup get to go, which will be cool. And I, I, I guess actually with Springer, the other question is, is where you, where do you play him? Because Marcus Semyon has been so good as the leadoff guy. Do you bump Semyon down elsewhere? Do you make him number two? Do you make Springer number two? Do you make Springer number five RBI situation? Like he likes to be leadoff guy. Like, what do you do? It's interesting. Um, do you maybe, start with him lower in the lineup, you know, not a lot of pressure maybe there, like, you know, less of a highlighted mm-hmm. spot for him. I, he's just, he's so good that I'd want to see him higher up. And I understand not wanting to bump Semyon. Like the first time Springer came back, Semyon wasn't hitting very good in that spot. Right. So it was an easy choice to be like, all right, Springer's going back or Springer's getting his spot. Semyon lower in the lineup, everything works out. Now it's the idea of like, who, who are you knocking down? Like maybe you take Bo Bichette and move him down a little bit. I saw um, I, Isaac at IB underscore tweeting. He threw out Springer, then Vlad, Semyon, Teoscar, Bo, Guriel, Biggio, Grichuk, catcher. And I, I don't mind that. Like you're bumping Bo Bichette down a little bit. Um, that's, I think, okay. And going Springer, Vlad, Semyon, Teoscar before him. I, I think that's even a decent spot right there. That might be the order I'd go. I think just given the fact that they've been doing pretty well recently. Bo's heating up too, and Semyon's been doing good. I would leave the one, two, three, four, how it is. Semyon, okay. Bo, Vlad, Teoscar, one, two, three, four, and then Stash, Springer off the hop at number five. And in that kind of maybe lower pressure, more like RBI situation rather than being the leadoff guy. And then if Semyon cools or if Bo cools, then it's like, okay, we got George Springer. He'll move him up to either two or one, depending on one of them. I just, I just think it's weird to 
take one of those marquee players out of a position they're doing well in right now in order to accommodate George Springer, who's played four games this year. Even though he's George Springer, he's a fucking yeah. World Series MVP. I don't know. It's a difficult situation. There's there's no it's right good, answer here. Good, good problem to have, like they say. Yeah, um, you can do a lot worse than this. Speaking of bats that are heating up, how about Gabriel Moreno in Double yes. A with New Hampshire? Uh, he was named the Double A Northeast Player of the Week in five games. He hit 421 with three home runs and 10 RBIs. He currently leads the league in average OBP, RBI, and OPS. That is pretty good. And the Jays clearly have another high-end prospect in their system. Yeah, they've been saying, people have been talking for a while because everybody was all hyped about Alejandro Kirk last year, justifiably so. Kirk's mm-hmm. great. Um, but every, people were saying, oh, no, the best catcher is yet to come. It's this Gabe Moreno guy who they just added to the 40 ahead of the Rule 5 draft. He's, he's, he's the, the one with the most potential, the most upside. And so far in his 21-year-old season in AAA, his, his OPS is 1.128 which for a comparable uh, Vlad, when he played in double A back in um, uh, that must've been what 2018. Yeah, that's 2018. Albeit he was a 19 year old. So he was two years younger. So this was like more impressive, I guess, but in 61 games, Vlad put up a 1.120 OPS. And it's like, so Gabe Moreno is putting up Vlad numbers in double A this year as a catcher. And the other thing they're doing is they're also playing him at third base. So it's almost like they know there's a problem on the roster and it's like, okay, like we're pretty loaded with catchers right now. We have, you know, Reese McGuire, Danny Jansen, two MLB caliber catchers. They're both good defensively. You have Riley Adams, who's, you know, he hits, hits well in AAA. It hasn't translated yet. Alejandro Kirk's going to come back from the IL. He's going to be seeing a lot of time. He's a good hitter. So if Gabe Moreno wants to come up, maybe the thing to do is give him a handful of reps at third base. And that's plays a little bit of that never know he's on the 40 man so you can do it yeah that's interesting because he's kind of buried right now he's, he's trapped he in double is. a there's, there's, there's it's pretty hard to put him anywhere because what are you going to do have him split time in triple a when everyone's healthy with riley adams are you going to get rid of the veteran they have there, juan gratterall like is that what you're going to do it's a it's a difficult situation yeah i i'm i'm not sure the other option and we've probably beaten this to death now but it's the idea of is there a team out there who'd give you a reliever for one of them no i'm not saying kirk or moreno like you're not training those guys for a reliever but is there a team out there who's you know maybe battling injuries could use the insurance or whatever and would give you a reliever for like reese mcguire like is there any sort of value there in reese mcguire well, would some team be oh, well if you see the way he played yeah in his if, last he keeps game, doing, if he keeps doing four for five with right is there a cranks, team out there who would go you know what We'll take a chance on Reese McGuire figuring it out. And we got a reliever on an expiring contract. Here you go. Like that's another option to all of this as well. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I don't see them trading either of Mourinho or Kirk. Obviously no. those are, those are the two guys, but Jansen, same thing. Like he knows the pitching staff so well. I just, uh, I don't think he goes anywhere mid season, but either of Adams or McGuire, I could see moves in a deal. It would make sense because having five catchers on the 40, is a, a is a weird challenge because now here they are. Gabe Moreno's got nowhere to go, and he's clearly way too good for Double A. What if a big name is involved for one of Kirk or Moreno? I don't necessarily know who that is, but what if there's Steven a team Strasburg? Out- yeah, something like that, where you're you're throwing in one of your two really really good prospects, probably a couple other pieces as well, and you're going out and getting like a rotation changing piece, and that's going to allow you to bring up Pearson, put him in the bullpen, shift some things around. Stripling can even go maybe go to the bullpen, right? and you massage things afterwards and it helps your bullpen 
through that effect, but you're going out and getting like a high-end starter. That's probably the scenario yeah. you could see one of those you two get, big, uh, big name catchers getting moved. You get your, uh, you get your Max Scherzer and then you have Scherzer, Ryu, Robbie Ray. Uh, that's your, that's your big three. And then you kind of decide, okay, is Manoa going to stay in here? Are we going to put him in the bullpen? Maybe he thrives in a relief role, two innings, three Max innings. Too. They could use that. Matt's is in the mix. He's been on and off. You know, Stripling's actually been quite good as a starter. He's, yeah. you know, at this point, maybe a better starting option than Steven Matt's. Like really, I mean, it's a, yeah, it's interesting stuff. It'll, I think the month of July will be a hell of a month for the Jays because there's going to be so much talk about, you know, trades and who they can get and who can go into what yeah. roles. Yeah, it'll definitely, if, if you like roster baiting, which I know the both of us do, we mm-hmm. love talking about hypothetical trades and things they could do. So it'll be a fun month for us. Love uh, yeah, it absolutely will. And their play on the field will also dictate it as well and be a big <laughs> part of the conversation. Uh, they did make one trade, albeit a rather small one, acquiring right-handed pitcher Jacob Barnes from the New York Mets for a fellow righty in Troy Miller. Uh, Jacob Barnes so far this season has a 6.27 ERA. The scouting report on him is he struggles giving up home runs. He gives up a lot of, a lot of long balls and you know, he's okay at keeping the ball on the ground. When you look at metrics, he gets his strikeouts, but then he gives up home runs. So a bit of a boom bust option here, but it's clear that Ross Atkins is trying to do something, but the market's just not really there. Cause on top of Barnes, they've also signed John Axford, who was working as an analyst on blue Jays games. Not too long ago. Uh, the 38 year old Axford was with Canada, at the Olympic qualifiers or Olympic trials, whatever they're called, uh, hasn't pitched in the majors in a two years now. Was on a minor, yeah, was on a minor league deal with uh, the Blue Jays last season, but kind of got hurt, never got into it. Um, but now he's they're taking a chance on him once again. So two names that like, I, I, I just, again, think this is highlighting how difficult this is going to be for Ross Atkins to upgrade the bullpen, right? Yeah. No, it's a, it's a terrible situation to be in for the Jays because me and BK talked about this when uh, you were in the woods, but every single GM in the league knows that if Ross Atkins gives them a phone call, it's holy fuck. Look at my bullpen. It's a disaster. I need a reliever. And all those GMs are like, I am going to fuck you over and you're going to pay through the nose for this. And that's the way it's going to be for the Jays until, you know, a month from now when trades start going. But if you want to get a reliever in June, then you're going to have to pay an insane price. So the reality is, is you're going to throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Jacob Barnes, you know, the front office has done a pretty fair job of finding really random guys and having them do well. Pete Walker sprinkles his dust. Maybe it'll work. John Axford, Jesus Christ. I mean, Jason Grilly, they acquired, he was like 56 years old in 2016 and something happened and he was amazing for three months. And, you know, maybe that'll happen again. <laughs> Who knows? Like hope that it does. It probably won't, but it's better than doing nothing at this point. I would love to see John Axford do well, though. That's that's a that's a great story. Like he goes from talking about the team on TV to potentially being on the team shortly after, which I find honestly so funny. Like I think it is. Like some people were like throwing hissy fits about it online. No, but, like, why not? He's it's a, cool a great guy. story, and it doesn't mean anything. Like no. if John Axford comes up and is bad, it's no different than Tyler Chatwood being bad, and you can just release him. Like it's not. There's not hey, some like. Go. And he's back on TV. It is what it is. Like, which would also be hilarious. Can you imagine if he comes in, throws a few innings, gets roughed up, then like after the deadline, he's back on TV, being like, "Listen, here's what I know from being around the team this year." Yeah, he had he had like six outings, had like two good ones, four bad ones. Let him go back on TV immediately. They signed Buck and Pat to be on the team. Yeah, yeah. they're playing. Those were the great jokes. Like Joe Siddle was going back and forth with a lot of fans, being like, "Oh, hey, like they're, I'm talking. Like here we go." But honestly, like. I don't know. I wouldn't be freaking out about 
John Axe for yeah. getting a gig. Like it's a it's a good story. Like he's a sweet dude. Like why yeah. not? Like be happy for the guy. <laughs> it's interesting. It's funny. Like whatever. Hopefully it uh, works out. Jay's now going to move on. It is a pair of games coming up against the Miami Marlins. The Jays swept the Marlins in a two game set back at the beginning of the month. Since that series, the Marlins are seven and ten. The Jays are five and thirteen. Uh, so Toronto looking to continue stringing together some wins here. Uh, this Miami team, though, like they're uh, 31 and 40. They're last in their division. They do have a plus 18 run differential, which is surprising. Like they're kind of, to me, the definition of just average. Mm-hmm. Like they're not a great team. I don't, I think they're better than their record maybe yeah. shows at 31 and 40, but they have struggled this year beating teams that are above 500. Uh, the Jays right now, they need some wins. They're dead on at 500. This is, these are games you need to win. They are. Yeah. No, this, this whole stretch here is Baltimore, Miami, Baltimore, Seattle. I think it was a 12 game stretch they have here. And it's like, they really need to be going like nine and three here mm-hmm. to make up for the stretch. They just had against Houston, the white Sox, the red Sox and the Yankees. They have to, they have to do well here. Otherwise it's like, eh. but yeah, the, like you said, the Marlins, I don't think are as bad as their record says they're, they're, they're starting pitching is quite good. Mm-hmm. Sandy Alcantara, uh, Sandy Alcantara, Pablo, Pablo Lopez. I mean, Trevor Rogers has been killing it. Like and we're going to see but, him in this series. Yeah. And you know, their bullpen's pretty good too. It's just their offense is really limp dick. It's like their only good hitter here is Starling Marte. And you know, everybody else is pretty ugh. like Jesus Aguilar is the next highest OPS in the team at eight Oh three. It's like, that's pretty weak. Like the Jays, you know, two games here. You really, you really need to be taking both of these here. Yep, absolutely. But uh, it's not Jays, automatic. Like I don't think I no. don't think they're they're not as bad as a Baltimore, where mm-hmm. it's like you lose to Baltimore, that's embarrassing. They they're terrible. But this team is not very good. The Jays are better than the Marlins. If you can't beat the Marlins, you're not very good. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, all right, just looking here at the starting pitchers, it'll be Stripling versus Alcantara in Game One, and then, and then Robbie Ray and Trevor Rogers, I think. Yeah, I think it'll be Robbie Ray and Trevor Rogers. Rogers seven and three this year with a one point eight seven. ERA and the guy's like 23 years old or whatever. Like he's, he's a good young arm and Robbie Ray will have the task of going head to head with him on uh, that second game of the series. It's Tuesday and Wednesday for those two. And then it will be a four game set against the Orioles following that one. But uh, we'll be back after a quick two against Miami to wrap things up. Maybe we'll be talking about George Springer being back in a blue Jays uniform, which would be fantastic as well. And hopefully we'll be talking about a pair of Toronto blue Jays wins. Coombsy glad to hear your home safe in Toronto after your weekend in, uh, in Montreal. And uh, I'll talk to you again in a couple of days. Yeah. Glad to, glad to have you back after your time in the woods. I hope you found your, whatever you were looking for. And I hope the Jays find a 10-game winning streak here. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Shout out to our friends at Twig and Berries once again. He's Cam Lewis. I'm Tyler Ramchuk. We'll talk in a few days. Best wishes. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.